Well, it's coming down to the last message. Thank you, everyone, for hanging in there with me, especially young people. You've heard a lot of uh, talk from me this, uh, this weekend. It's been a privilege to bring the word to you. You've been very attentive and appreciate your, um, your willingness, your eagerness under the ministry of the word and also putting up with uh, my shortcomings as a preacher. I know that this is a tough hour to listen in because the food is moving in the gut, right? So if you need to stand up because you're getting tired, feel free to go up there. Nate's already blazing the way, so if you got to do it, sorry, Nate, but I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're, you're showing us the way. If you, get, you do what you got to do, right? If you need to get up, stand, get some oxygen, walk around a little bit in the back, I won't be offended. I won't be distracted. I'll be very encouraged that you're trying to listen. So um, I think it's, you know, we just want to make sure we, we finish strong here on this last message. All right? Let's just begin with a quick word of prayer. Lord God, we, we do come to you. Jesus, our Savior, we come to you. We come to you for salvation. We come to you for our daily needs. We come to you now for the need of mental strength and of understanding and for a heart that is glad to receive your word. Father, please help each and every one of us to have a right frame of mind as we come before your word. As I would open it up, please help me to be accurate and precise, help me to take the things that you have been teaching me in the study and that I would be able to take them and feed your people with them. We pray that Christ himself would feed his people and that leaving this place, you would fill them and that they would find great satisfaction as they have been not hearing the, the voice of a man or clever arguments from a man, but, Lord, that they have been at your feet and satisfy your people with knowing that they have had your word fed to them and that you have, they have been in your presence. So, Lord, please do these things for this congregation. We ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we come now to the fourth essential as we have looked at what is necessary for salvation, and we come this afternoon to a biblically consistent life. A true Christian is someone whose life shows, reflects, that their claim of faith and repentance is real. Their claim of faith and repentance is real. We've, we've already seen that it's absolutely necessary for a true Christian to believe in what the Bible says about this problem of personal sin. A true Christian is someone who must also believe in God's plan of salvation found in Jesus alone. This morning, we saw that a true Christian is someone who has faith in Christ alone and repents of their sins. But it doesn't end there. Now there are false teachers who will tell you to put a period after that 
Only go for those first three essentials. Don't go any further. There's nothing else. But it's not true. It doesn't stop there. You can't just take the book and put it on your shelf and then go on your merry way, thinking now there's nothing else in the Christian life. The fact is that it's only really the beginning. Yes, a biblical Christian is someone who is trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. But having been saved, and this is a critical point that we all have to grasp, having been saved, okay, having received salvation, having been given the gift of faith, repenting from your sins, having been saved, therefore, a true Christian is someone whose life reflects that claim of faith and repentance. Does not mean that a person lives a perfect life. It does not mean that a person now lives a perfect life, but their lives should be consistent with their profession of faith. Okay, well, I want, I want to be very careful about how I'm stating this because many people confuse what I'm about to teach regarding evidence of real salvation, of true faith and repentance. They confuse talking about evidence of that saving faith with saving faith. And so they're saying, oh, you're teaching that people have to earn their way. They have to work. They have to do these good things to be a Christian in order to become a Christian. And that's not what I'm saying. Okay, so I want to be very careful. That's not what we're saying. And nor are we calling Christians to say, well, now you have to live a perfect life. If you're not living a perfect life, then you've missed the mark and you're not a Christian. No, no. But a life of a Christian should be consistent, consistent with the profession of faith. Now for this, we can go right back to our, our springboard text from Matthew chapter 7 and see what Jesus uses for a basic illustration to demonstrate this point. If you go back to Matthew chapter 7, and in verse 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or, fig, or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You see, this example that Jesus uses is just a basic, very simple example of a tree. Now, it's fall, and maybe you do this up here in New York like we do in New Jersey. We, we act like we're farmers, right? We want to go apple picking or whatever else is out there, right? And we get in our cars and we drive to a, a well-manicured orchard. And uh, they tell you, you go down here and you get these kind of apples, and you go down here and you got these kind of apples, well, just think about it, right? You go up to this beautiful orchard and you want to pick some apples. And you go down there and they say, okay, yeah, here are 
the Granny Smiths. And you go down there, and you're like, okay, the signs are all over the place. You come up and you go to pull a Granny Smith off of this apple tree. I'm like, man, that really looks like a pear. All right, well, you just take it off, you look at it. Looks like a pear, right? Take a bite, tastes like a pear. Now, you wouldn't need to be a horticulturist or a farmer to go back to the people at the front and be like, hey, just saying, you got the sign here that says Granny Smith. Look at this, right? Simple. We all get it, right? So simple. You did that, you'd be like, okay, stop trying to bamboozle me. These are not Granny Smiths. These are pears. Very simple. Very simple illustration that Jesus gives. Basically saying, the fruit tells you what's, what the tree is. Okay? It's evidence of what the tree is. If it's pears grown on that thing, it's a pear tree. If it's apples grown on that tree, it's an apple tree. Right? You get it? Very, very simple. You can never have, as Jesus is saying, well, I'm sure they could genetically engineer it these days, but naturally you wouldn't have a pear growing on an apple tree. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't work. This is the point that Jesus is making here. Any true biblical Christian is someone who acts, behaves, thinks like a Christian. They bear the fruit of Christianity. When you're saved, you become a Christian tree, right? Get that? And the fruit of that tree then is Christian-like. It is matching the tree. Now again, he's not saying that we prove ourselves worthy for salvation, or in order to be saved, we have to produce these fruits. He's not saying that we do good things to earn salvation at all. I'm trying to be very careful because I don't want anyone to go away from here misunderstanding what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make. So sorry if I'm beating it thin at the edges, but please, we've already established salvation is by grace alone, in Christ alone, by faith alone. Right? That is clear. But if someone has truly been saved, then, then Jesus is saying that there must be evidence of it in their life. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Again, a simple illustration, but trying to make a very profound point about what it means to be a Christian an essential of being a Christian. Luke 6, verse 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say. Okay? So very simply, making this point, a true believer, someone who is a Christian, brings forth fruit, brings forth evidence of that change that's taken place in their life. Now, we, we do this all the time with other things, right? This is not unique to the Christian faith or even just with going apple picking. But 
if you were to you know hear of a guy who says um, or ladies right if, if there was a guy who who professed love for you oh I love you so much right and and, and I want to marry you and you heard all this this talk ladies that might be nice the guy might be cute maybe he even has a good job but how would you know if he loves you what if he never called you Ah, I was busy. Sorry. <laughs> Work again. What if he never took you out? Sorry, I was, I was out playing golf with the guys. Come on, ladies, you're going to cut him slack? That's right, I see some shaking heads. Good, I hope you would. Some of you are sassy, too. You give it to them, right? <laughs> we know what that's like, don't we? Proof's in the pudding, man. Talk is cheap, bro. What do you got? Are you going to show up? Are you going to be there? Are you going to call me? Right? What, what are you showing in your life that backs up what you're saying when you say, I love you? Right? Very clear. We, we know what this is like. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's making the same point. And 1 John chapter 2, let's turn there. Keep the blood flowing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him. It's not how we come to know him. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says... I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So again, making that point that that good fruit is consistent with a profession of faith. And specifically here, he's saying keeping the Lord's commandments. Now, what does living consistently with my profession look like? Well, if we were to go back to, to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew is dealing with that whole question, really, throughout that sermon. He's, he's speaking to his disciples. He's preaching to those Jews who were following after him and would have called themselves believers. And he paints that picture for them, showing them, okay, this is what a true believer is. They're in the Beatitudes, going on, dealing with those realities of the heart sins, like we saw about things regarding prayer or even charitable giving, right? He goes through those relationships, those personal relationships, and says, this is how life is lived if you're a Christian. This is what it looks like. And he does that all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. We know John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. We saw that also from 1 John chapter 2. So that fruit that we're talking about is connected with God's commandments. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Let's turn there. Galatians 5, verse 19. 
What does living consistently with my profession look like? Well, it's keeping God's commandments. Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 25. Now the works of the flesh, he's going to start negatively, then give us positively. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here Paul talks about this living in the Spirit. And, and what is it? Well, it's the Christian life. Is you live in the Spirit? You've got to walk by the Spirit. But what does it mean? Does it mean you're hooting and hollering and jumping around and, and, and speaking in some unintelligible language? Is that, is that what it means here? No, he's saying, no, you live a life consistent with your profession. You live a holy life. These, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the kind of lifestyle that we're seeking to develop that fruit in our lives when we say that we are a Christian. It means putting to death the sin, putting off the old man, as Paul says in Ephesians, and you're putting on the new man. You're putting on Christ. You're living in a Christ-like way that glorifies his name. So we think about maybe things that we struggle with. How about your words, the use of your words? Very easy to just speak and use our words. So what does that look like for a Christian? Well, again, we're not talking about perfection here, but we are talking about a life consistent with the word of God. Is our speech filthy? Are our jokes filthy? How about gossiping? It's very easy to say things about a friend even that doesn't protect their honor, that is not concerned about having others see them in the best light. Right? Gossip, very easy to let that out. And it doesn't mean that you have to say it. You could be posting it Right? Saying things about other people that are unkind. What does a Christian do? You say you love Jesus? What are we doing with our tongues? What are we doing with our typing? What are we doing with our posting? Is your life 
with regards to your speech, your communication, is it consistent with what it means to walk in the Spirit? If you're in the Spirit, you're living in the Spirit, you need to walk in the Spirit. Is it consistent? Does it promote love and joy and peace? Or is what you're saying about your friend or that classmate or that other person maybe on the team, has it taken a wrong turn? See, a Christian, this matters to a Christian. They say, whoa, wait a second. What am I saying? I'm a new creature in Christ. I've been delivered from sin, the sin of evil speech. Lord, help me now to speak kindly, lovingly. You know, we're even to do this, Jesus calls us to do this to our enemies. You think about the people next to you, think, okay, yeah, this is my friend, I love them. And I do, sometimes I might say things about them, but what about your enemies? Now, I don't know if you have like full-on enemies, right? We, we, we tend not to have that for real. We, we might have someone who kind of has it in for us at school, or maybe you play another team and somebody's trying to be, you know, have a lot of bravado and they threaten you as they run by and knock you over or something like that. Um, but do we really have enemies who are like ready to hunt us down and kill us? I don't, I don't know if anybody here has an enemy like that. Probably not, okay? If so, you can meet me at the end and correct me. But generally speaking, we don't know what that's like here. But that, those are the kinds of enemies that we are to love. So anything short of that is included. So how you use your speech regarding even your enemies. Yeah, but again, like we, we talked about this the other day, right? But you don't know, Pastor, what she said about me, right? So now that legitimizes it. No. No. How are you speaking about your friends? How are you speaking about your enemies? I could even say that about government, right? We're all these days having trouble, especially as Christians, finding good things to say about our government. But does that give us license to just shoot off the mouth? Are we being consistent? Yeah, but you know, yeah, I believe me, I get it. It's hard, isn't it? There's a lot of things that make us just make our head explode. You're saying, but even a five-year-old could figure that out. Okay. Is Jesus Lord over my lips? Even when I'm speaking about enemies. How about the, the sin of anger? We can speak of Christ's love for sinners, right? He loves sinners. He, and, that, and next thing you know, the blowtorch of our mouth has been loosed. And we're taking somebody down. Sadly, it's often someone we love in our own family that we can, we can do that to. It's grievous. What does it mean to be consistent? Do I just let that go? Do I make excuses for it? You don't know how my kids annoy me. Yeah, but my husband, you know, he's a real jerk. Like, okay, but hold on. Is Jesus Lord over your emotions? Is he? Are you going to take these issues about anger in your life honestly? Are you going to deal with them? 
So you need, that's when you need to just do what we talked about before, about repentance, right? The way in through the narrow gate, faith and repentance in Christ alone, the way through that narrow gate is the way of the narrow way. We keep exercising faith and repentance. And so a life, a Christian life, a life that is consistent with your profession is going to be one where you have to own up and say, I sinned. I did it again. And I'm going to go and make it right. That's a consistent life. Not a perfect life. We're talking about sinning, aren't we? So it's not a perfect life. But it is one where we're taking this reality of sin honestly as Christians in our interpersonal relationships, not making excuses, not trying to justify why it's okay for me to act like that or to think like that or to do that thing. But we say, no, what what does God's word say? Love my enemies? Why can't I love my wife? Am I supposed to be gentle and kind like the Lord Jesus? Why can't I be like that with my siblings, with my brother and sister? Why does it seem like it's all out war? And you pray, Lord, give me grace. Give me help to do this. But deal honestly with your sin. Dealing with it in that way, dealing honestly with your sin, shows that we really are biblical Christians, that the root of the matter is in us. But see, when we hide it, we want to just kind of, okay, let's shove it under there. Hopefully nobody saw. Well, you don't know. I had a bad day. We want to try to justify and rationalize or hide sin. That is not consistent. That is not consistent with being a Christian. And again, we're not dealing with perfection. We're not there yet. We will be. And I hope that we still strive in every area of our life to be perfect. But we know that day's coming when it will all happen. But by his grace and by his help, we want to live every day dealing faithfully with whatever issues, whatever sin is there. We want to keep a short account and deal biblically with it. Think of even the, the thief on the cross there in uh, Luke chapter 23. You know the story. The two criminals on either side of Jesus both start out mocking him. But then one gets saved. Wonder of wonders. There on the cross and turns because we read one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed Jesus, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Even the thief on the cross brought forth fruit in his life when he rebuked the other thief. Even he had fruit. Apostle Paul said this even in Ephesians chapter 2, talking about being saved by grace through faith. He said, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Great, but we'll go on. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for 
You know it? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So someone's life, anyone who's a Christian, someone who's claiming to be a Christian is going to have fruit, is going to have that life consistent. It's going to be governed by the commandments of God. It's going to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. And they're going to deal faithfully and honestly about their sin when they transgress, when their life doesn't match the word of God. They're not going to candy coat it, rationalize it, or push it off. So let me ask you, is that you? Now, every one of us could probably say, well, pastor, I could do better. Okay. We all can do better. I can do better. But at its core, what I'm talking about here, is that you? Not do you do it perfectly. Not are you perfect in doing this, but do you do it? Is, is, are you professing faith in Christ? And can you look at your life and you take the mirror of God's word and you see yourself and you say, you know what? By God's grace, I am trying to do this. I am trying to deal with my sin. I am confessing it to God. I am confessing it to those that I sin against. I am trying to deal with my sin of anger, the, the sin of sinful speech. I am trying to deal with that. Well, you ought to rejoice because that is a work of grace in you. That's not something that happens to us because we're good people or we just have that kind of a, a temperament. That is a work of grace in your life. And you should be grateful to God. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that even though it could be better, that there's still this mustard seed, if you will, a mustard seed of this growing in me. Thank you for that. That's good. You should be encouraged. Now, let's, let's, let's ask a, a deeper question here. If I were to take the last week of your life, okay, and you know how whenever there, like, there was this guy who was running recently, escaped from prison in PA, and everywhere you looked, they had new CCTV footage of him. You know, walking here, or there's a ring camera here, got him, and there's like all this footage, and they're piecing together where this guy was. It's amazing. It makes you realize how many cameras are out there, right? Let's say we had camera footage of your life from this past week. And what if we put it up here? What would it say? Christian or not Christian? Not saying perfect. If we were to scroll through the internet history, I love using that because, you know, people think that on the internet they can just disappear. But it's all there. It's all there. If we were to be able to scroll back like an Instagram feed, go back and say, oh, this is what happened this week. What do you think we'd see? Now, you know God already knows it. It's not like he has to scroll through. He already knows it. He already heard it all. He already saw it all. But what would, what would that look like for you? It's a tough question, isn't it? And I don't mean to try to like shame anybody here. 
I don't know what happened in your lives the past week, but I know for me, I would have to say, wow, there's things that I would be very ashamed for people to know because I did sin. But I could say, by the grace of God, that when these things happened, I didn't pretend like they weren't there. I had to say, dear, will you please forgive me? Kids, will you please forgive me? Before God, Lord, will you forgive that sinful thought, that sinful desire? Right? Not perfection, but it, are you dealing faithfully? Maybe this is going to be the point where some of you realize, maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe you've been professing and professing, but maybe your life hasn't shown it. And maybe this is a wake-up call for you to say, hey, wait a second. Maybe the root of the matter isn't in you. I don't say that with delight to try to say, ooh, you're not a Christian. No. But have honest dealings with yourself. Again, we go back to our little saying, close doesn't count. You really have to be honestly dealing with sins in your life. And that means you're going to have to open your mouth. You live with other people. You will sin against other people. You have to deal honestly. I talk about, you know, brothers and sisters, siblings. You guys get on each other's nerves, right? You can provoke one another to anger. It is sin to provoke someone to anger, just like it's a sin for a father to provoke his children to anger. Have you ever gone to your brothers or your sisters and had to ask them forgiveness? That's a sign of true spiritual life, of being alive spiritually. Because if you're living honestly with people, you're going to have to deal with sin. And as Christians, we don't ignore it. So you ask yourself, is that me? Have I even done that? If it's never happened in your life, and right now you're realizing it, wow, then confess it to God and move on now. Say, Lord, now help me to do what's right. I know that this is wrong. I should be doing this. I profess faith. I believe I'm a Christian. Then I need to live like this. Right? We've got to get honest with ourselves. Even, even in a situation where we could be at a youth retreat. You know, it's very easy for our mouths. We're out there having fun playing soccer, playing, playing volleyball. And it's very easy for things to just, like a flock of doves, just released from our mouths, right? And we just say something. And you can't call it back. And it could be mean. It could be hurtful. It could be cutting. It could totally just crush someone. And we use our words, and they could be like a, a, a blunt instrument. It goes bang, bang, bang. We can do that. And maybe it's just carelessness. But it happens. And what I'm saying here, what I'm trying to get to now is, yes, if we are trusting in Christ alone for our salvation, and we are seeking to repent of our sins, praise God. Now let's talk about how we live as Christians. We've got to figure this out, people. Brothers and sisters, let's keep these short accounts. This has got to be true of us. If we say we're Christians, then a biblically consistent life needs to be there. Okay? Talk is cheap. Just like that guy telling you he loves you, but he ain't calling you. He ain't texting you. He ain't picking you up and taking you out. Call him out for it. 
right? We know this. We know this in our own lives and how we treat one another. Would it be the same with God? So I want you to think about that. I want you, young people especially, be thinking about your life. You've made a profession. I praise God for it. I want you to think about this. As a Christian, am I living a biblically consistent life? You've seen it from the scriptures. Christ is calling you to bear the fruit consistent with your profession. It only shows what's inside. It doesn't make you good. No more does apples on a tree make the tree good. Have you ever ever heard of the, the, the story a man told once of a tree, an apple tree in his yard, which had the nastiest apples you could ever think. They were just nasty and gross and nobody would ever want to eat them. And his wife was like, either cut it down or do something to fix the tree. So one day he goes out, his wife leaves, she goes out for the day and he's okay, I'm going to fix this tree. So he cuts down all the apples. So there's no, those ugly, nasty apples again. And so what does he do? He goes out to the, the roadside stand and gets some nice bushels of apples and he gets some clear fishing line and he, he ties them all up on the tree. And she comes home. She's like, whoa, look at that. Very nice. Did the tree change? Same tree. After a while, you get close enough, you realize, hey, wait a second. These things are rotten up here. They're not even connected. Oh, guess what's growing now? You see, we can't do that in the Christian life either. You can't, we, we use the, the phrase, right? Putting lipstick on a pig. Right? But that, let's talk about it, right? That's what it is. We're trying to make something that's horrible, nasty, ugly, and you're trying to candy coat it and cover it. We can't do that. See, the heart has to change. And your behavior that will please God is going to start from the inside out. It's not going to be stuff you can just do as a show so your parents are like, oh, look at him. No, it's got to come from the heart. And so everything I'm saying here, it seems like, whoa, this is impossible to do. You're right. If we try to do it our own strength, we can't. You can't. And that's why you must first enter the kingdom of heaven. You must first know Christ as your savior because anything I'm saying here about living a life consistent, bearing good fruit, acting consistently with your profession is going to happen because Christ has made a change in you because the Holy Spirit is living in you. Not because you're just trying really hard. So please, the first things first, you must know Christ. And if you find you get to this point, you're like, pastor, I've heard you, and you know what? I don't think I'm real. I, don't, I, don't, I think I'm just close, but I'm not in. Well, then get on your knees before God. Confess your sin. Say, Lord, save me. Be like Bartimaeus. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he will. And how will you know? Because in your life, things are going to start to change. The appetites that you have for sin will die, and an appetite for him will grow. That's where it begins. That's where it starts. And you need to look for this, and you want to desire it. I mean, the the passages we read, like the fruit of the Spirit, cultivate that in your own heart and life. Go to the Beatitudes. Are you poor in spirit? I don't know. I could pray it in. Take these things, take your personal sins, the things that you struggle with, and make it a matter of prayer. I wonder if you've done that. Everybody knows their own personal sins. 
actually make it a matter of prayer. So, okay, you know what? Monday, I'm going to pray for the prayer. Uh, for, I'm going to pray for God to help me overcome my pride. Lord, I'm so arrogant. Would you help me, please? There's all little things I say, or I love when everybody looks my way. And you pray that way. And then Tuesday, I'm going to pray for this. Get real. Get active about killing sin in your life, about putting it to death, putting off that old man. And what is the grace that you want to come in its place? Lord, give me gentleness. Give me humility. Help me to have a heart of service, of love, that wants to help others. It's not just always looking out for myself. We have to pray it in. This is a life consistent with a profession of faith. You say, Pastor Khan, this is rough, man. This is like serious work. My dear friends, I don't want anyone here to be shocked and surprised on Judgment Day. You don't want Jesus to say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Get real about your Christian life. Get serious about it. Deal with those things that you know are not right. So that you can stand with confidence and not be ashamed and not have your conscience condemn you. A gnawing conscience is a horrible thing. You don't want to live a life of a hypocrite or a formalist and to be exposed on the last day. But you come to Christ honest with yourself, honest about your sins, knowing that he's the only way and he can, he's the only one who can make that change in you. And you say, Lord, help me. Now let me, let me live like your child. Let me bear the image of my Savior let me show forth his glory so that people will stop and say, what is this reason for the hope that's within you? Tell me about it. You're different. In the workplace, at school, you're not <laughs> backstabbing like all the others. When you see someone who's on the fringe, why do you go help them? Why are you the one who always stays to clean up? Why do you always try to befriend the outcast? That's fruit. And other people see it, and they will glorify God in heaven because of it. And it will open up opportunities for you to witness. I'd say it just like Jesus said to the gathering demoniac, right? He said, go home and tell your friends what great things God has done for you. Right? When they see it, that's an open door to tell them what God has done. And if, and if you are here, let me say this. I know I've been talking to those maybe who are not sure or maybe they find they're not Christians. But if you're a Christian and you look at this and you say, yes, Lord, by the grace of God, that is me, please, please be encouraged, be joyful, and tell others. Tell others because you found the pearl of great price. If you come through this session and you say, okay, first essential, second essential, third essential, fourth essential, and I, you look at those and you say, wow, it's not my work, but God has done this in me, and these things are true, tell others. Tell your friends. They need to hear this. Because remember what Jesus said, many on that last day, many are on the broad road, many on the last day are going to hear those words, 
please, I plead with you. I plead with those who are unbelievers here, but I'm asking you as Christians, young people, speak to your friends, pray for them, plead with them that they would come to know Jesus because the time is ticking and that day of judgment is drawing near. And my hope has been that when we get to the end of this, as we've come to the very end of these four essentials and these messages, that you would be confirmed as Christians. Yes, I am a believer. Praise God. But go out now and tell others. Encourage them. Call them to faith in Christ. Tell them about these things. Help them to see, yes, they are a sinner, but there's hope in Jesus. And that they can have, their, their whole life will be changed. They can have all of their sins forgiven. And they will live a life that is now pleasing to God because of his grace, because of his blood, because of his power at work in you. I want to say we are encouraged with many of you. And we bless God for the work that he is doing in many of you. And it would be wrong for me to stand through this whole session and not give God glory for what I have seen in your lives. I rejoice in that. Young people who are Christians, press on. Press on. Don't give up. Keep going. We want, we need, this world needs strong Christians. Those who are bright, shining lights to the glory of God, of the changing power of Jesus Christ in them. We need you to be bright. We need you to be salty salt. You guys, one day, are going to be out on those pews. Some of you may even be up here. And I'll be the old guy. Don't give up. Persevere. Shine brightly for Christ and call your friends, call your siblings to Jesus that they might also taste and see that he is good. It's a glorious thing to be a Christian. It is a glorious thing to be a Christian. You talk to any of those here at Albany Baptist Church. Talk to your friends who you know are Christians. Dear friends, if you're still not in Christ, come to know the Savior. Don't put it off any long. Remember the critical nature of this issue. You must be accurate. There's no being close. It won't count. It won't count in the end. You must close with Christ. You must come to faith and repentance in him and in him alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which has been that light to our path in these Last two days, we thank you for your word, which clearly tells us about the way of salvation, about your love for sinners. Father, we thank you that we have seen, even in our young people, many who have come to know you and who, by your grace, bear the fruit of good trees. And we know, bring a smile to your face. We thank you for them. We thank you for that work you have done in them. Lord, bring more into the kingdom this afternoon. 
Father, be with those who are wrestling with these questions, or who are wrestling to try to understand if they are truly saved. Would you not make that clear to them, we ask? Please give them assurance of salvation if they truly are, and if they're not, that you would show them where they are lacking, that they might cry out, that they would, even if they throw off everything from their past, all the false starts, all of the questions, all of the confusion, and that at this moment they would cry out, Son of David, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord, give the gift of faith. We pray that they would believe. We pray for those who are totally not, they just totally do not want to hear anything that has been said. Oh, God, have mercy on them. Lord, how we love them and pray that you would work faith and repentance in them, that they would be delivered from the wrath to come, that none would be surprised on that last day hearing those words, depart from me, I never knew you. Have mercy upon them. And may they know the blessing and the joy of sins forgiven and their relationship with you repaired, being reconciled to you, and knowing life forever with the Son. We ask in his precious name. Amen.